Coming up on the Money Bee podcast, central bankers explain last week's moves and what's hot in the IPO market. This is Money Beat from the Wall Street Journal. Now from our studios in New York, here are Paul Vigna and Stephen Grosser. Hello and welcome to the Money Beat podcast. Joining me in the studio, we have Spencer Jacob from Heard on the Street and Maureen Farrell, our uh, IPO reporter. And from DC, we have Josh Mitchell. Uh, and we're continuing in our relatively new tradition this week of giving you a little look ahead at the week that's coming up. Um, Josh, th- uh, after this week, it seems like next week might be a little bit anticlimactic, but there are some things we should be looking at, especially a number of central bankers who are going to be talking, namely Mario Draghi on Monday, and I believe Janet Yellen will be testifying before the House on Wednesday. What can we sort of expect from them? I think we're going to have to – I think we'll get some insight as to what they're thinking is about how – what they can and cannot do for the economy, at least the economies that, that they are in. Um, in the U.S., uh, Fed Chairwoman Janet Yellen spoke to reporters uh, this past week after the Fed decided to hold off on raising interest rates. And so they indicated that they the, – the central bank here indicated that they uh, will raise rates uh, once um, – before the end of the year, but um, they have uh, consistently had to reassess conditions here and uh, change their plans. So uh, she'll definitely be asked about that in the House. <clears throat> and what do you think, I mean, f- from the standpoint, and Spencer, you can sort of talk mm-hmm. about this, how important is D- Draghi um, and, the, you know, this time around, just because you looked at what happened earlier this month where you saw a little bit of spike in the bond market as investors got worried about you know how much how much you know sort of gunpowder the central banks had left and you look at and it, that really happened after the ECB how much is that going to you know are investors going to be paying attention to what he says and how much they can you know do to stimulate the european economy spencer sorry oh. Oh, well i mean <laughs> Look, I mean, you you have, I think, a general sense of of unease, right? That um, the monetary stimulus is is kind of getting to the the end of its rope. Not because there isn't more they could do, because in theory, there is more they can do. In theory, there are some very dramatic things that uh, all three major global central banks can can do beyond what they've what they've done. Not just in terms of of taking rates lower, or you know, or ZERP, NERP uh, being adopted, uh, perhaps in the U.S. Should that come to be needed? QE returning in the U.S. I mean, there there are more tools in the toolbox. There's there's helicopter money. There there are other unorthodox measures. But the the worry, right, is that they're 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 losing their their punch completely. That they uh, that the the effect on the real economy is negligible now. The effect on the markets is is real, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, when they just jawboning, um, you know, has has a pretty dramatic effect. We're near all time highs he, here in the U.S. But in terms of, of being able to affect the macro economy, it, you know that it's certainly open for debate whether they're, they're you know, the the bank for the buck is is certain, it does seem to be diminishing, and you know, and as it approaches zero, it, that that causes a bit of panic, and there may be a reassessment in terms of how much it's needed, or you know, or whether fit the fiscal side needs to take over. Last week, um, the Fed basically stood pat, as everyone sort of expected, and strongly hinted that you know that December um, could see the you know the, an, an, the next rate increase. But Japan sort of 
surprise the market. They weren't expecting that. Josh, we're going to get some you know minutes from the July meeting, um, and we're also going to get some data later in the week from Japan. How much is that going to sort of sort of illuminate the decision um, to you know target zero now uh, for the ten yeah. year government Japanese government bond? Yeah, it's definitely a highly anticipated uh, speech that he's going to uh, give. I mean, obviously, it was it was a, a surprise for him to take the move for the bank to take the move that they did, uh, introducing a target for ten-year interest rates. That's something that hasn't been done in in decades. Uh, and obviously, this is you know two two decades of. Of, of Japan being uh, in, in this stagnant economy, and they're trying to do everything they can to lift inflation. So we'll, we'll get more insight into why they did what, what they did. And then there is a, a bunch of economic data that comes out later in the week that will show just what that economy is doing. Inflation, unemployment, household spending, uh, and industrial pr- production. So this will be a big week to see what the outlook is for Japan and, and what they're trying to do to, to get things moving. And we'll also get a, a good glimpse on at the end of the week um, from the ECB on you know the Europe the eurozone's uh, inflation, right? Uh, yes, exactly. Uh, so the inflation, the inflation rate has been be- below the ECB's target of just under two percent for more than three years. It was just zero point two percent in August. But with 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 any with energy prices steadying, uh, the policymakers there expect a pickup in coming months that uh, would take the rate above one uh, percent next year. So uh, we'll have to see what happens there. <clears throat> And, and and just uh, you know, back getting back to the U.S., uh, there's not a whole lot. We're going to get some uh, you know some housing data, but the big one it seems like it will be durable goods, which has been disappointing for a while now. Right. So this is one of those indicators that uh, it gives a pretty good sense of what underlying demand is in the U.S. economy. It's basically you know how many what what are the number of orders for these long lasting items uh, in the U.S. and the factory sector uh, has been has has been wobbly. Uh, obviously, the, um, they're they're suffering from from demand around the globe. Exports have taken a hit. Uh, weak weak demand and just uh, you know the the value of the dollar has has weighed on them. So this could give a sense of how well factories are 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 doing in the face of of those headwinds and. Um, and, uh, and it'll it'll give a sense of whether the of whether the U.S. economy is rebounding from a weak first half of the year. I think a lot of people expect a rebound in the third quarter, um, but there's there's uh, some expectation that things could slow again in the fourth quarter. So it's been a pretty sluggish year, and this will just give us an update on how things are going. Yeah, I mean, and you know, Josh, you may see a rebound in the third quarter, but I mean, it's baked into the cake to some extent because of w- what happened with inventories. I mean, it's not. Once you you net that out, the, the overall exactly. picture doesn't look that great. I mean, but to what extent do you think that um, the, the Fed took into account? Uh, I mean, they did discuss it. The the how much they're constrained by um, by what what they do feeding through to the the currency markets and strengthening the dollar, and then being a drag on on uh, U.S. growth, uh, and also um, uh, you know ro- possibly roiling. Uh, Emerging markets. I mean, if they uh, they're already out of step. If they were to have been more out of step, or were to be more out of step, come December, uh, in terms of uh, of interest rates, um, the strengthening dollar is a real real concern, isn't it? I mean, and that that feeds through to all, all the things we're we're talking about here. 
Yeah, I think I think they're they're trying to do their best to prepare the markets for for an increase, and I I think overall they just expect. Uh, they have a pretty downbeat outlook on the economy, at least in, in the medium term. We've seen them downgrade their expectations for growth. and So I think overall they think things are steady and stable, but they, they want to make sure that the markets are prepared for for a potential rate increase. And they've been stuck in a in a pretty tough spot uh, this, this past year. They had entered the year hoping that they would raise rates a few times, um, and now it looks like it's going to be only once. So uh, they've, they've tried to juggle market expectations, and they've tried to ensure that the U.S. is, is able to, to weather these challenges that are happening overseas. And, I mean, it, I, you know, it, it does seem a little bit like Lucy in the football, right, with, uh, with rate expectations. You know, they came out at the beginning of this year. I mean, they, they moved in December the they suggested four uh, they the, we might get one and we might not get one we're not going to get one in the november meeting because that's right before the election so december is is the last chance and in in any meeting that we've we've had you know if there's been any kind of ructions in the weeks before uh, whether in the, the domestic stock market, international stock markets, bond markets, geopolitical concerns, something like Brexit about to happen, Brexit just happened, anything like that, and, and the odds of something like that, ha- you know, having you know happening ar- around the December meeting are not that low. Uh, we might not have had anything this year. We might have gone a, an entire year. We started the year with the Fed telling us four rate hikes and end with zero. Is that? I mean, how how likely is that? The market. Uh, definitely is kind of giving even odds to that happening, right? Yeah, I mean, and you, what you're seeing too is kind of like a credibility problem. I mean, and this has happened often where they 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 set expectations, they set projections, and then they have to go back and and reset them. And so, you know, there is this there there is this this credibility question of why they keep on missing their tar- their targets and um, and how the markets react to that. No, there's definitely one of the things that I you saw just you know after uh, and as Yellen was speaking, in fact, was the notes sort of pouring in from you know Wall Street economists and strategists and the level of cynicism that they had that like essentially you know come December there's always a reason what the Fed could find not to raise rates. And so I think it's, you know, right now I think it's around, it's above 50%, 58% the market's betting. But it will be interesting to see, especially with a presidential election in between this, to see where that stands over the next month. Um, I think that's a good place to to sort of take the break. When we come back, we'll talk to Maureen Farrell about uh, some IPOs next week. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. Robert Half is here to help. Our recruiting professionals utilize our proprietary AI to connect businesses with highly skilled talent. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Hey, this is Stephen Perlberg from the WSJ Media Mix podcast. Are you interested in the biggest changes in the media and advertising business from Facebook to Snapchat? Tune into the WSJ Media Mix podcast for interviews with some of the biggest names in media, from Gawker CEO Nick Denton to Turner President David Levy. For more, check us out at wsj.com slash podcasts. WSJ Podcasts. Listen ambitiously. This is Money Beat from the Wall Street Journal. Now from our studios in New York, here are Paul Vigna and Stephen Grosser. 
Hello, and welcome back to the Money Bee Podcast. For more podcasts like Your Money Matters, Free For All, Speakeasy, Heard on the Street, What's News, Tech News Briefing, and WSJ Opinion, check us out at wsj.com slash podcast. Follow us on Twitter at WSJ Podcast, and become a subscriber on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and now look for us on Google Play Music app on Android devices. And I got through that. I'm always impressed when I get through that. Um, we have Maureen Farrell in the studio, and she's the one that, you know, and I'm not going to pretend like Paul and pretend that this is taped over the weekend. This is Friday, <laughs> and you had a page one Happy story uh, in today's paper about the death of essentially or the malaise of the equity capital markets. However, next week we might actually get. Uh, you know, a nice test of the IPO market, and you know that w- that window too, because you talked about this year has been horrible for IPOs, but there was going to be a little bit of window right before the, the presidential election, um, when you we might see a few uh, companies go public. Um, and that seems to be starting to take place a little bit. Definitely, we've seen a we've seen a number of companies go already in September, um, and then there'll be a bunch. More coming next week. Um, it's gonna. It's set to be if they all go as expected to be the busiest month since June of last year. Wow, <laughs> things things are picking up. And you know, there, there's some um, you know point of view in the markets. I mean, I you know, there's the a correlation. That the times when you you have a, a relative dearth of IPOs actually has been good for the stock market. Uh, whereas uh, times when you let's say the you know in the the, the aftermath and times when you've had a big flurry of IPOs has been less good for the stock market. Um, is that I mean I don't know why they just the kind of the smart money knows to kind of sell when the kind of the going is about to not be as good or you know I mean it, it's interesting this whole like, kind of big supply demand issue. I mean I think that has happened at times and this I mean just looking back at this year I mean we've had a good the stock market's up a little S and P up a little over six and a half. Around six and a half percent and, and right near now. Near an all time high, right? I mean, near so, an all time high. But if you look, I mean, we've had a really slow year for IPOs in terms of volume. But if you look at how they've performed, um, the average IPO that launched this year is now up more than thirty mm-hmm. percent. If you look at tech IPOs, they're up more than eighty percent. Okay, so. so they've had this like crazy, you know, extreme performance. But that said, I mean, it's probably pretty hard to get your hands on one of these stocks right. because it's been such a small amount of them. So next week, what are the companies that we should be paying attention to that might, you know, uh, go public? So the big company that we should pay attention to is Nutanix. It's basically the, one of the first, un, the, the first unicorn this year, the first billion dollar startup. It's actually was last valued at two billion dollars, and that's what we've been. That's what the IPO market's really been waiting for. We've seen a few pretty small tech companies go public, but not this. These unicorns, I mean, we've been waiting. There's so many that more than 100 out there that have been valued by the private markets. We're anxiously waiting to see what the disconnect, if there is one, between the private and public valuations are. Mm -hmm. So this will be that huge test. And as we see most years, the tech sector makes up a big chunk of the IPOs. This year, it's been a really small portion of all the IPOs we've seen. So the question will be is if how is it going to perform? Is it going to do as well as these, like, you know, 80% pops, of, mm-hmm. you know, on average of these other tech companies. And then if they go and will other tech companies follow? 
No, because that's what's interesting. I mean, when you think about the IPO market, you really think tech companies. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's mm-hmm. the Nextshapes, it's the Googles, it's the Facebook and the Alibabas. But there really haven't been many tech IPOs this year. I mean, there's been a dearth. And some people are blaming that sort of on a cultural shift in Silicon Valley. Um, how much is do you think that's true? And will this IPO change? Like, can that change it? Or is it going to be more in more of the same, do you think? I think we I think there has been this shift overall in Silicon Valley. And I mean, more broadly, I mean, that's what my story touched on today a little bit. I mean, we, we just you guys just talked about the central banks. I mean, with other sources of capital being so cheap, do you have to go to the public equity markets right now? Why do you go to the public equity markets? And more and more companies clearly have decided to just either wait or they're finding like really ample sources capital sources of capital in other places. Well, yeah, you look at Airbnb and Uber, right? I mean, the kind of private market valuations they're getting are. I mean, they would they would be very large companies in the S and P five hundred, uh, or fairly uh, respectably large companies at the the kind of valuations they're getting. I mean, they they might not be able to to get that. But in terms of raising cash, because IPOs right, tech IPOs aren't so much about raising cash; they're about monetizing uh, the, the the shares that executives exactly. have, right? And, and and creating buzz, and you know, and but they're raising serious amounts of money, you know. Um, but not monetizing those shares. I mean, well, is that you know what's where the prior? I guess they well, you, you can sell, right? I mean, but it's you know not not. Well, I just wrote well, yeah. another story today on okay. Airbnb. Just today. for example, yeah, today yeah. it's she Friday. Broke yesterday, <laughs> okay. I mean, Maureen was very busy yesterday. <laughs> she was she was earning her keep at the Wall Street Journal, <laughs> even with the slow IPO market. So Airbnb, just for one example, and I we haven't seen a ton of this, but we've seen a good amount. We've seen a good amount of it. Airbnb sold. A bill, had raised another billion dollars. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was eight fifty in new shares they sold. To, they raised it. Right. Two hundred million was for employees to cash cash out of their okay. shares. All right. Okay. So the I mean, they got it from Google Capital, TCV, the venture firm. There's money there just to let employees the get valuation? some liquidity. Liquidity. Thirty billion dollars. Yeah. So that's a. <laughs> yeah, it'd be a nice, like, nice, sizable company in the S and P were it to be in there. And is is there some rationale for? I mean, it, it's a it's a pain being a public company, you know. Um, is there some rationale for this kind of uh, just remaining a unicorn as long as you can? Or you I know, mean, they forever? a lot of people th- seem to think that. I mean, there there are regulations. There's I mean, there's lots of that. There's just meeting shareholder expectations. You're a growth company. You want to like if you're Airbnb, if you're Uber, you want your plan is like world domination mm-hmm. basically. So to be able to do that. You know, spend your money where you need to make everything happen, sort of somewhat veiled mm-hmm. from the you know quarterly questions that you get and meeting quarterly expectations. I think it's it's clearly very very tempting for these companies to do so. And I mean, one other factor we've seen throughout the year is they're not Ubers, they're not Airbnbs. These are smaller companies that were very close to going public, and they just get um, picked up by either private equity firms, a lot of them. Or strategics are just buying these companies just as they're about to go public. Mm-hmm. So the stock market is also missing, you know, all those other companies that were in the pipeline. So it's sort of hitting on so many different fronts why this IPO market is so dead this year, basically. So to your first question, Steve, Nutanix, is it going to change the whole game? No, I don't think. I mean, it just seems like from where people are sitting right now. I think we'll if it does really well, 
yes, the people sitting on the sidelines will probably wake up and get pretty excited to do it quicker. But even then, there's so many questions because the rest of this year is just going to be really tough. We talked about it, the pre- presidential elections coming up. A lot of people don't want to do their IPO right around that potential volatility. Then the end of the year is just always slow. There are just weird. There's weird calendars in terms of the 10 day road show. We've talked. We've talked about this on the show before. So then you wait till January, and then who January's knows? January's always know? been slow. Yes. I mean, like the first quarter has always been. I think the slower quarter, especially the first month. The you know one of the interesting things is because the other today we also have had you know reports of Twitter, you know drawing interest. How many has the scars of the tech companies that have gone public in recent years? I mean, Facebook is now what the fourth or fifth largest company, or, you know, in the S and P, or you know, at least top seven. It is done phenomenally well, you know, from a you know its share price perspective in recent years. But that first year was brutal. Um, it's bumpy. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, it, you know, I think it, it got down into the mid-teens, its share price. It took a while for them. And the, and the IPO process itself was very difficult. Um, and it took a lot of heat for that. Um, and then Twitter, which, like, you know, seemed to do, you know, seemed to have the exact opposite, you know, IPO than Facebook. But its shares have since, you know, I think it was your first page one story was on tw- like it was today or two days after Christmas. But Twitter's, you know, <laughs> stock hitting, you know, uh, at all time high after going crazy uh, for a few days. Yeah. And now it, it, but but since then it has been uh, it has struggled. Um, that was you know, its all-time high. Yeah, it, 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 it has fallen and it's continued to struggle. But it's not just Twitter and Facebook. I mean, it, remember it's Groupon. Etsy, yes. Groupon, um, um, GoPro has you know been you know having a hard time of late, and its shares have been very volatile. I mean, how much of that has sort of scarred these unicorn companies, these companies with billion-plus valuations, um, away from? the public market at a time when you know they can get cheap funding elsewhere. I think I mean I'm sure that's definitely played a big role. I mean on the one hand Facebook should be a poster child for why you want to go public and what you can do if you wait it out. I mean they've been able to make not only have the, has their stock done so well longer term but they could show like if, if you wait it out you get through the bumps and then you have this public currency you can go and spend $19 to buy WhatsApp. Um which I guess they, I don't know if they did that in Stockholm. So I don't remember. They might have been all cash. They had plenty of cash too. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so they. But then the. I think it's it, sure. I'm sure there are scars. But I think it's a lot more the option to not do so with private capital. I'm sure that doesn't make it any more tempting when you see what happened to like Groupon. The other example that I thought was fascinating this year is LinkedIn. I mean, LinkedIn is at the other end of the spectrum. It had a bumpy start to the year. I mean, but it had been up, 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 up. That was sort of the the great success story of the recent cohort of tech IPOs. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was got up. It went, it went public, I think, at, at mid forties and got up well over two hundred, high two hundreds. So, and then, and then, I mean, it had that big hiccup at the beginning of the year, but it had done so well. And I heard, I've talked to portfolio managers really like bemoaning that they can't invest in LinkedIn and that that like hot growth stock is not there now. It's part of Microsoft. It's not the same thing anymore. And mm-hmm. where are the next LinkedIn's? And it's like, how do you get alpha in the market, essentially, as a portfolio manager in the tech world if you don't have this pipeline of new companies Mm -hmm. coming up? 
And like, how big will Airbnb or Uber be, even if you believe in them and think they have like this runaway six, like runaway potential at whatever price? There's a fear, like if you haven't gotten them yet, how much upside? Yeah, no, at a thirty billion dollar valuation, you know, um, how much upside is left in Airbnb? I mean, that's a, I think a fair question to be if you're an investor yeah. asking. Yeah, although although even Facebook, I mean, mm-hmm. for how, how well it's done, I mean, if it it's not like some of the you know the tech IPOs, the successful ones. There are many more unsuccessful ones of uh, 16, 17 years ago. I mean, if you made those sorts of even with all the bumps, all those sorts of multiples, then it would be a trillion or ten trillion dollar company, right? Mm-hmm. So you're not going to get that kind of that kind of multiplier um, if you you know buy early on because it's just the companies are too large to. You know, the, the economy yeah. can, can't cope with a company that that large, right? And from that, I mean, we've been seeing this for a long time, but it's like this vicious sort of cycle that investors think that they rate, they say, okay, fine, so I'll get into Airbnb earlier. I have to get these mm-hmm. in there. And then, you know, that... The FOMO. FOMO. Yeah, yeah the, <laughs> the cycle begins, and then right. there's all this private capital and... And you, you don't know, want to lose money if, the, you know, you don't want your funding round to be above the IPO price, which has sometimes happened uh, in tech with, the, with tech companies going public. Below that, yeah, yeah, below the last underground, yeah. The, yeah. the fear down round. Yeah. I think that's a good place to end it. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, Spencer. Thank you. And thank you, thank you Maureen. Uh, we'll be back next week. WSJ Podcasts. Listen ambitiously.